And yes, kids' church, yeah. Lucky kids get to go out to kids' church. How much fun today. Yeah. And how good is it having Cass sing too? Great. And uh, your hubby Cole is going to actually be leading us on Christmas Day. Exciting, isn't it? And exciting because Christmas is only two weeks away. Two Sundays and we're there. Time has flown. Carols were on last night in town and uh, I enjoyed playing my French horn. It was really good. But, you know, Christmas can be not only a wonderful time of the year, but a chaotic year too, can't it? Chaotic time of the year. You know, and I'm, I'm actually really thankful to Crossover for the inspiration for this series. It helps in the chaos. Um, and now, who here is busy? If you're not, you're either lying or I want your life. Um, in the busiest busyness of Christmas, with all the plans for family, food and festivities, peace so quickly vanishes. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What a glorious thing that we celebrate, that Jesus has come, our wonderful counsellor, our mighty God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. But when we look around at the world as it is, and one, I don't know if you wonder like I do, you wonder, where is our peace? Where is the peace that was meant to come with the Prince of Peace? Now think about the events of this year. Conflict in Ukraine, Queen dying, Albo becoming Prime Minister, the fourth wave, hacking and data breaches, cost of living pressures, UK Prime Minister lasting less time than it takes for letters to go off. Yes, that was a measure used in the media. You know, on the Global Peace Index, Australia is ranked 27th out of 163 in 2022. And I guess that's not too bad, but New Zealand is second. And I reckon that, like, immediately it just cancels it and we're at, least at 50 after that news. Um, and, and Iceland's first, uh, surprisingly. Um, and so, so, so clearly, you know, we're missing peace. Our world is missing peace. And you know what? We should not be surprised by this missing peace. Jesus warns us as much in Matthew 24, verses 6. He says, You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Jesus knew that wars, earthquakes, etc., they're sadly part of the course in a broken world. Conflict exists because evil exists. And while we should be grieved by this missing peace, we certainly shouldn't be surprised by it. Just think of the conflict that has existed in the Middle East. Think of Jerusalem. You know, during its long history, Jerusalem has been attacked 52 times, captured and recaptured 44 times, besieged 23 times, destroyed twice. 
The oldest part of the city was settled in the 4th millennium BC, making Jerusalem one of the oldest cities in the world. And it's still, there's conflict there today. The history of the world is pretty much a history of conflict. It's just conflict after conflict after conflict. And the traumas of the past live on in the lives of generation after generation. A lack of personal and interpersonal peace exists too. So we shouldn't be surprised. But what we should be instead is this. Instead, we should be expectant. Isaiah 2 from verse 1. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his way so that we may, we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and he will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of of the Lord. Like Jesus, Isaiah knew that the way things are is not the way that they will always be. Isaiah offered a vision, a promise spoken originally to God's people Israel as they pursued a life apart from God. In his vision, he saw that swords would be beaten into plows because swords wouldn't be needed anymore. Spears would be turned into pruning hooks because spears wouldn't be needed anymore. What was once used for provocation will be used for production. No more conflict. You know what? Isaiah and Jesus agree. This day is still to come. God's true and lasting peace will arrive. And that's great news. But it will also be news so foreign and incomprehensible to so many who live in constant conflict. It amazes me how many people only believe that peace comes or is only available through death. That's a sad reality. And there is such a lack of hope that so many people believe that the only path to peace for them is death. Suicide rates are so high because of this. Because people lack hope and they're searching for peace. And the only solution they can find, the only answer they find is death. And there's even religions that teach that. As nations, whole history is littered with conflict and even now through politics, it's mostly a battle of, of words and will, not swords and spears, but it's still conflict. Our nations are still in powerful conflict. And so the good news of coming world peace is good news indeed. And so this Christmas, what we should be doing is looking forward to lasting world peace. Look in Luke chapter 2, it says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. You know, it can be difficult living 
uh, to live with, with missing peace. Because you know, we might feel anger, discouragement, powerlessness, impotence against situations and forces so far beyond our control. But then again, some of us might be inclined to look the other way to try and escape the, the peacelessness, to try and ignore it, or to find something to fill the void of the peacelessness that we feel. But in announcing Christ's birth, the angels signal that peace with God through him is the key to all peace. That offer is available right now, even amidst the peacelessness. And it will be made inevitable at the return of Christ for those who walk in the light of the Lord. You know, world peace is to look f- forward to in, in great hope for the future return through Christ. But what about personal peace for us? You know, God's going to sort the world peace out. He's got that in hand. We can just trust that, right? But what about personal peace for us now? Because the reality is for so many of us that relational peace is often missing. You know, our culture values rights over reconciliation. Forgiveness must be earned. You just think of how many people display their right to be offended instead of displaying reconciliation. It's almost as if forgiveness is not even in the vocabulary of the permanently offended mob. You know, they view their right to be offended as the only valid response. And this fuels division. Just like the woke crowd who are always espousing the virtues of the oppressed and scorning the oppressor, the, the, to them there's only two types of people. You're either the oppressed or oppressor. And they play the victim game rather than trying to seek reconciliation. And Christmas reminds us how lucky we are that God does not agree. He is prepared to bear the cost of reconciliation by sending his son, extending mercy and grace through him to undeserving humans. And we aren't, and, and, and sorry, we, aren't we the very happy benefactors of that? Imagine a world without the mercy and grace of God. Imagine if we always received what we deserved and were punished for our sin. Our existence would be even worse than it is now. But I, for one, am so pleased and so blessed that we have a God who sent his son, his one and only son, to bear the cost of reconciliation to extend his great mercy and abundant grace to us undeserving humans through Jesus. Christmas can also point out our own failure to reconcile and forgive even those who are closest to us. Forgiveness is hard. We're all wired by our sinful nature to hold a grudge and to hold on to unforgiveness. But what we've been called to do is to be reconcilers. And so my first step towards, reconcile, towards relational peace today is to forgive as in Christ God forgave us. I want to take, us a, take a look at what God says about forgiveness for a moment. Psalm 86.5, he says, You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding, in, abounding to all, in love to all who call to you. God's character 
And God's actions show his loving forgiveness. God has also made it clear that he wants us to follow his example, even to the extent of his forgiveness, depending on our forgiveness of others. Matthew 6 verse 14, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Forgiveness is not about how we feel or forgetting what happened or excusing the wrong, but forgiveness is something we should be working towards. And secondly, we should take some steps. You know, forgiving can be the hardest thing that we will ever do. We've all been hurt many times, no doubt, even by those who we would think would love us the most. And if you've been in church for a while, you've probably even been hurt by people in the church, where you'd hope not to be. But churches are like hospitals. We're here because we all need help, right? We know that. That's why we're here, because we acknowledge we don't have the answers. You know, I was hurt a few years ago by someone I trusted and who confided, who I confided in, and I was very open and vulnerable with that person as well. And that trust was broken and broken badly. And even when I confronted them, they refused to even entertain that they had any part in what went down. And then time and time again, they repeatedly broke even more trust and reneged on agreements and promises that were made even further. This caused me to tailspin for a while, and I harboured such hate, resentment and unforgiveness towards this person. A few people challenged me on this, and even read Matthew 6 to me, you know, forgive, otherwise God won't forgive you, right? But I was not in a position to forgive that person. But over time, as the Holy Spirit worked on my heart and healing occurred in many other ways, I came to a place where I could offer forgiveness. I moved to a place where I had a heart of forgiveness towards that person. PeaceWise is a great resource and it's good training, largely based on this book called The Peacemaker by Ken Sandy. Um, if you want to borrow it, please feel free. Um, and it suggests a framework for biblical forgiveness, which involves two steps. The first of those is a decision to extend mercy whilst recognising that mercy is undeserved. And second is an action to show mercy, whether or not the person responds well to those actions. In doing these, we are acting like God does and receiving God's action towards us. We're playing our part in the miracle of healing that God wants to do. You know, through a lot of difficulty and pain, I made a decision to extend mercy towards the person who hurt me whilst recognising that that mercy was undeserved. And I also made action to show mercy. And my third step for us today, though, is to make some promises. And PeaceWise offers four promises to help us live out our forgiveness. First of all, I will not dwell on this incident. Second of all, I will not bring up the incident and use it against the person. The third is I will not talk to others about this incident. 
And the fourth is, I will not allow this incident to stand between us or hinder our relationship. And those are really practical and quite life-giving steps that will help us move out of the pit of despair in relational conflict. So I want to read those again. If you are in conflict with someone and you have been able to make that decision to extend mercy and then have an action to show mercy, then the way to help you move on is not to dwell on it, not to bring it up, not to talk to others about it, and not let that stand between you and that other person in relationship. But we've got to do this with a few things that we keep in mind. First of all, we must forgive wholeheartedly. We can't just forgive a little bit and hold on to most of it. It's all or nothing. It's, or it's not actually forgiveness. And we can only be responsible for our part. Reconciliation requires the other person's repentance. So you are only responsible for you. You do you, right? From there, it's up to the other person to repent. Sadly for me, the person who hurt me never came to ra- around to a place where they repented of their sin towards me. And that's life sometimes. But I had moved in my heart to forgive them. They just never repented. That's on them. You do you. And forgiveness doesn't replace justice. There may be actions or consequences which follow. There's always consequences to our actions. When I eat a piece of cake, there's consequences to those actions. When someone sins against us, there, there is a cost to be paid. That cost may be in trust. That cost may be in something more tangible as well. But forgiveness is not forgetness. You don't forget what happened. You learn from it. You protect yourself. And you move on from it. But you don't forget. That would be unwise to forget. In that sense, justice is still possible. Some here today have experienced trauma and abuse at the hands of others. And it might be really hard to stomach this message today because you might be thinking, hang on a minute, Aaron. You don't know what has been done to me. How I felt and how hard it is to forgive that person. And that's true, I don't. I don't know your hurt, I don't know your trauma. But I've been through my own. It's different, but still been through my own. And I know how hard it is to forgive. And so does God. And he still left Matthew 6 in the Bible. It's still the words of Jesus calling you to forgive. But just like forgiveness doesn't mean forgetness, it also doesn't mean that justice is not possible. You should seek justice for abuse and trauma you have experienced. Consequences should follow when others sin against us. So I would encourage you, if you have thought that the good Christian thing to do is to forgive and forget, that's nonsense. Forgive and seek justice as well. The fifth point for today is forgiveness blesses and heals the forgiver. Every command of God is of benefit to us. 
Forgiveness sets us free from hurt and bitterness. When I moved from a place of unforgiveness to a place where I'd moved to forgiveness in my heart, I felt in and of myself so much lighter. I felt a real sense of new freedom that I had forgotten about. Because, yes, I harboured that unforgiveness for way too long. And forgiveness brings peace to the forgiver as well as offering peace to the forgiven. Don't miss out on the peace of God that passes all understanding because you are harbouring unforgiveness. God doesn't want you to live like that. Forgiveness is the door to peace in our relationships and in our lives. Now, you might not be able to do much about global peace other than to pray, Come, Lord Jesus. Whilst our world is missing peace, it will not be forever. At Christmas, the first coming of Jesus, we are reminded to look forward to the day when true peace will be a universal reality. But you can do something to bring peace into your relationships and peace to you personally. Without forgiveness, there's no true reconciliation and no true relational peace. We are called to follow our Father by forgiving one another as he has forgiven us. So let me ask you today, to whom do you need to offer relational peace this Christmas as part of the deep peace that God wants you to know? Forgive as in Christ God forgave us. You know, when I was doing the PeaceWise training, um, it was run by a Christian psychologist who has worked very closely with the author, Ken Sandy, of, that, of, um, of this book, The Peacemaker. And she brought out these studies, which I hadn't come across before, and they were showing the actual tangible physical health benefits of forgiveness. Your body is not designed to flourish when you harbour unforgiveness. But when you are able to forgive and you are able to move past those issues and forgive as Christ has forgiven you, that the strength to do that comes from Christ. It doesn't come from you, right? We are forgiven and so we're able to forgive just like we're loved so we're able to love others. When you do that, your body physically has health-giving benefits. And I was, that, that blew, blew my mind. It shouldn't have blown my mind. It should have been, of course. God said it, so of course it, it works through all of creation. Right? Our bodies are not designed to live under the stress of unforgiveness because it hurts us. So are you hurting you? If you are sitting and living with unforgiveness towards others, you're the one bearing the cost. If I take my example, the guy that sinned against me, he was living life like nothing had happened. Because he, he didn't even, even when I broached the subject with him, he still refused to see that he'd sinned against me. So who was being hurt? He wasn't. Who was bearing the cost of his sin against me? I was. 
my family was. But when we can move to that point of forgiveness, that's where freedom comes from. So who do you need to offer relational peace to this Christmas as part of the deep peace that God wants you to know? Well, can I encourage you to actually take some steps? Don't just go, oh, yeah, man, oh, I want that peace, I'm missing that peace, yeah. Do something about it. Don't just sit here and go, oh, thanks, Sarah, that's a lovely message today. Oh, yes, you know, it'll be really helpful for me. It'll only be helpful if you do it. Like last week, we were talking about the, the, the rock, you know, the, the, the house that, that stands the storms is the one that does the will of God, that, that hears the word of God and puts it into action. It's a bit like relational peace. If you want it, there's no point just saying, yeah, I want it, if you're not prepared to do anything for it. You've got to take action. So take some steps, make some promises, keep in mind forgiveness blesses and heals the forgiver. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. A challenge about peace. Lord, we do observe so much peace missing in our world. And in our relationships, Lord, we know that there is steps that we can take to bring peace as well. We can be peacemakers, Lord. And so I just pray that each one of us, as your spirit reveals to us, areas where we've harboured unforgiveness towards others, that, Lord, your Spirit would not only convict us of those, but would also take us to a place where we can move in our heart to offer forgiveness, to offer, to extend mercy, Lord, and that we can do that in your strength because, Lord, you've extended mercy to us. You've forgiven us. And so as forgiven children of God, we have the ability to forgive others. And so, Lord, may you help us do that. And may you help us and may you bless us in the, in, as we offer forgiveness and that we would be healed as the forgiver. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Graham. And we thank God for the word this morning. So let's um, close our service this morning by singing our last um, <coughs> carol. We have a saviour.